Welcome back to Sad Girl Study Guides. As always, I'm your host, Amelia, and as always, I'm sad. We're at that really fun point of a Chicago fall where the weather is just fluctuating wildly. It can start out being in the 40s in the morning and then by the afternoon reach the high 70s. I absolutely love it. It's so much fun and not at all taxing on my building's electricity. But enough about weird weather patterns. Let's dive in to this week's study guide subject, aka the second marriage of one Eleanor of Aquitaine. If you thought her first marriage to Louis VII of France was wild, well, her second marriage to Henry II of England makes her first look like quite this news fest. Look, Eleanor really lived for the drama, as it turned out. The second study guide of Eleanor's marriage involves a murdered bishop, some more attempted kidnappings, and everyone's favorite, a little bit of light treason. Let's begin. Before we dive fully into Eleanor's second marriage, I do think we should probably recap what the heck happened during her first marriage. So, as a reminder, Eleanor of Aquitaine's family controlled essentially the southern quarter of France. Her father died when she was around 15 years old, which made her the wealthiest and most powerful woman in all of France. Almost immediately after her father's death, Eleanor got married to Louis, the son of the king of France. But almost immediately after the wedding, Louis's father died and suddenly Eleanor and Louis were king and queen of France. Tragically for them, they did not have the world's best relationship. Eleanor was passionate and romantic. She loved music and poetry, whereas Louis had spent most of his childhood training to be a monk. By the 1140s, for various religious and political reasons, Louis decided to go on the Second Crusade to attempt to retake Jerusalem, and Eleanor, for her own reasons, decided to go along with him. The Crusade was not great for the already failing reason. During the Crusade, Eleanor reconnected with her uncle Raymond, and pretty soon rumors started swirling that Eleanor and her uncle were doing the dirty. Spoiler alert, they probably weren't. By the time Eleanor and Louis got back from the crusade, neither one wanted to stay in the marriage, but the Pope insisted that they give it one last go. Eleanor and Louis did, they had sex, and Eleanor gave birth to a daughter. By now, Louis was fed up with the fact that Eleanor hadn't provided him a male heir, and the two got an annulment for being too closely related. And if this weren't enough, Eleanor may or may not have been having an affair with another major French nobleman, Geoffrey Plantagenet, who controlled the duchies of Anjou and Normandy. Literally, once the ink was dry on her annulment papers, Eleanor went back to Aquitaine and reached out to Geoffrey's son, Henry, who was only 19 years old and very handsome, and asked, hey, do you want to get married? Henry agreed, and 
that brings us to the start of this episode. Eleanor of Aquitaine married Henry Plantagenet on May 18th, 1152. He was around 19 years old, and she was around 28. Eleanor and Henry's marriage was extremely small and had a simple ceremony, especially when you consider the fact that they were two of the wealthiest and most powerful landowners in France. And that's because there was some debate if their marriage was even legal, because technically, Eleanor was supposed to ask Louis' permission before she got married, but she ignored that tiny little detail. For the first year of Eleanor's new marriage, she did not see all that much of her new husband. In addition to being the son of Geoffrey Plantagenet, Henry was also the son of Matilda of England, the daughter of Henry I. After Henry I had died, Matilda was supposed to inherit the throne and become queen, but due to some double dealing and double crossing at the hands of her cousin Stephen, Matilda's throne had been usurped, which had plunged England into a civil war, and Henry was off busy dealing with the whole drama of the English succession, which meant that Eleanor was alone in France, acting as the sole ruler of Aquitaine, Normandy, and Anjou, and being probably the single most powerful woman in all of Europe. Not too shabby. By 1153, Henry had mostly secured the English throne via the Treaty of Winchester. And once the English throne was secured, Eleanor moved in with Henry's mother, Matilda of England, but unlike with her first mother-in-law, Eleanor and Matilda got along fairly decently, which is always a nice surprise. In the summer of 1153, Eleanor gave birth to her and Henry's first child, a boy who they named William. The birth of William was a massive slap in the face to Louis VII. After all, he had annulled his marriage with Eleanor over her inability to have a son, and less than a year later, there she was, giving birth to a legitimate son. The next year, in 1154, Stephen died, and Henry was officially named King of England. So he and Eleanor packed up their things and their family and moved to England. The two landed in England on December 8, 1154, and made it to Westminster for their coronation on December 19, 1154. They were officially now Henry II of England and Eleanor of England. During the coronation ceremony, Eleanor was extremely pregnant. Several months later, in February 1155, she gave birth to a second son, this time named Henry. When Eleanor and Henry arrived in England, the country was not exactly in great shape. After all, it had just gone through years of civil war between Matilda and Stephen. For example, the main royal palace complex at Westminster was completely destroyed, and Eleanor, Henry, and their court basically were going to have to rebuild the country from scratch. However, as it turned out, Eleanor was pretty excellent at rebuilding courts from scratch. Even so, she was going to have to spend most of her time in England traveling from various ruined castle to ruined castle with her husband, who didn't like to sit still 
and who instead like to survey his land and create an entirely new administrative system wherever he went. Even though Eleanor would never quite get her chance to dig in her feet and create the beautiful elaborate court that she had made at Aquitaine, she was still going to do a decent job fixing up her English castles. Despite the constant moving and not-so-great shape that England was in, Eleanor and Henry's early years in England went super well. Neither had a difficult time adjusting to England, since both the language, weather, and culture were fairly similar to the rest of Europe. For example, London, by the 1100s, was a fairly active city. It had strong trade, and it didn't have the serious religious reputation that Paris had, which meant that Eleanor probably felt somewhat at home. And yes, neither Eleanor nor Henry spoke English, but most of the nobles in England at this point spoke a dialect known as Anglo-Norman, so it would have been easy for Eleanor and Henry to communicate with them. And unlike her time in Paris, Eleanor did a pretty fantastic job of bringing the entertainment and culture that she loved over to England. Sure, Henry II didn't love poetry, but he was fine if Eleanor had a troubadour perform after dinner, unlike Louis VII. The most famous troubadour that Eleanor brought to England was Bernard de Venterdorn, who wrote some beautiful love poems for Eleanor's court, and Eleanor would also commission various non-fiction pieces to be written, including a history of England. However, the two and their young family did not have all that long to stay in England and build up a new government there. In 1156, Henry and Eleanor had to return back to France because Henry's little brother was being rebellious and trying to seize Anjou for himself. While Henry was dealing with Anjou, his and Eleanor's first son died, which yes was tragic, but also kind of expected for the time period because, you know, infant mortality. While the two did mourn the death of baby William, their succession was still insured because they still had baby Henry, who was alive and kicking. Soon after the death of her first son, Eleanor gave birth yet again, this time to a girl named Matilda. After Matilda's birth, she and Henry reunited and headed down to Aquitaine. It was during this 1156 trip to Aquitaine that the shine started to wear off of the marriage a little bit. As it turned out, Henry really wanted to have full control over Aquitaine, even though it was her land, and the way Eleanor's inheritance worked out was that control of Aquitaine would pass on to her sons, not her husband. And the people of Aquitaine knew that, and they didn't love that Henry was walking in there trying to take control of things. As a result, Henry would always have trouble ruling directly over Aquitaine. It would be the most rebellious of their joint lands. And even though that was going to start causing friction pretty early on, the relationship between Eleanor and Henry continued going pretty well, by which I mean Eleanor continues popping out those babies. In the next two years, she gives birth to two more kiddos, Richard and Jeffrey. And 
During these two years, she and Henry are bouncing between France and England pretty regularly. They have to go back to France at one point to try to reinvade the province of Toulouse, and then they're back in England, and then they're back in France, and this time when they're back in France, Helen and this time when they're back in France, Henry and Eleanor are attempting to betroth their oldest son to Margaret of France, who is Louis VII's daughter from his second marriage, aka kind of Eleanor's stepdaughter, which on a family tree just looks so utterly crazy. And as it turns out, the betrothal works and the two will get married, which would cause such an awkward Thanksgiving in the modern time. Ultimately, Henry and Eleanor do fail at reinvading Toulouse and bringing it back to Aquitaine. Henry tries to besiege the city, but gives up on the attempt fairly quickly. The failed siege of Toulouse was probably the first time that Eleanor had seen Henry fail at any sort of policy, and apparently she wasn't so happy about it. She was used to both her and her new husband winning. A few years later, Eleanor gave birth to another daughter. This time, she named the daughter Eleanor. After all, you always have to name your kid after yourself. The same year that Eleanor was born, a very important person entered into Henry and Eleanor's life. Henry needed a new Archbishop of Canterbury to help run the English Catholic Church, and he chose a man named Thomas Beckett. Beckett was from a very minor noble family and had worked his way up the various ladders within the church, had become friends with the old Archbishop of Canterbury, and had eventually become Henry's Chancellor before being named Archbishop of Canterbury. By the time he became Archbishop of Canterbury, he and Eleanor had developed a bit of a tense relationship. Both were constantly vying over who would have Henry's ear and who would get the majority of Henry's attention. Eleanor was afraid that Beckett would win, and Henry would stop paying attention to her when it came when it came time to make policy decisions, and that he would find Eleanor only important for pumping out those babies. When Beckett comes on the scene, we start to see more cracks emerge in their relationship. By 1163, Henry and Eleanor returned to England for the first time in a while. After all, for the last four years, they'd been bouncing between England and France. When they had been in England, it was never for very long. And once they're back in England, Henry really sits down and gets busy with consolidating his power, especially within the church. Pretty soon, Henry and his old BFF, Beckett, have a little bit of a falling out over who's supreme in the English Catholic Church, the, Arch the Archbishop or the King. And Eleanor absolutely loves this and very much takes Henry's side. Eventually, the argument between Henry and Beckett gets so bad that Beckett has to eventually go into temporary exile in France in 1165. The same year that Beckett goes into exile, Eleanor also leaves England, although of her own choice. She goes off to Anjou to deal with some rebellious nobles for Henry. Initially, everyone assumed that this would go great for Eleanor. After all, 
people love Eleanor. However, the people of Anjou don't really listen to her because she's a woman, and why would they? So Henry ends up having to leave England and go to Anjou to fix everything up, which really irritates Eleanor. She's used to getting her own way, and now she isn't. To further patch things up on the continent and ensure their further power, Henry and Eleanor then engage their son Joffrey to the daughter of the court of Brittany. The next year, in 1166, Eleanor gave birth to her final living child, John. When Eleanor gave birth to John, she was 40 years old, and by then had given birth to 10 children, which is extremely impressive, both in the 1100s and now. Ultimately, Eleanor had five boys and five girls, and I think all but one lived past childhood, so that's an excellent track record. You go, Eleanor. Of course, Eleanor did not raise her children herself, because that's not what noble women did, but according to the sources, she did genuinely care for her children. Yes, most of her daughters did get married off very young, much like Eleanor had been, but she didn't have a huge say in all that. You did have to protect the dynasty and form those diplomatic alliances. And once again, that is what was done back then. And Eleanor didn't actively send any of her children away to grow up with other noble families, which is more than most royal mothers of the time did. And she did keep in touch with all of her children. So yay, Eleanor. And as we're going to see, Eleanor is going to start choosing her children over her husband, which really isn't going to go that well for her. And speaking of loving your children versus loving your husband, the same year that Eleanor gave birth to her final child, her husband, Henry II, met and fell in love with Rosamund Clifford, the daughter of a Welsh knight. The two would carry on a steady affair until Rosamund's death in 1176. Eleanor was not pleased about this affair. Yes, fine, all kings had mistresses, but Henry was particularly blatant about his affair. He went as so far as to allow Rosamond to sleep in Eleanor's apartments, which was a huge slap in the face, especially when you consider how Eleanor and Henry's relationship had started as a pure love match. Soon after Henry and Rosamond began their relationship, Eleanor moved back to Aquitaine and would stay there until the 1170s. On the surface, it looked like Eleanor's move back to Aquitaine was political. After all, Aquitaine historically caused Henry a lot of trouble, and historically, he struggled to control it without Eleanor's help, so it makes sense that he would send Eleanor there to go soothe things over for him. But since Eleanor's husband was kind of being a douche to her, it also makes sense that Eleanor would want to return back to the country that she loved. Oh, and by returning back to Aquitaine, she could protect the interests of her children. Henry had a plan to divide up all the lands he owned between his four sons equally, and his second oldest son, Richard, was supposed to inherit Aquitaine. And Eleanor loved Richard, so by going to Aquitaine and ensuring that it stayed controlled, she could also ensure that Richard still had his kingdom that he was supposed to inherit. 
by the time Eleanor landed in Aquitaine, there was a lot of anti-Henry feeling. Some of the nobles were attempting to declare Eleanor and Henry's reign illegitimate. I'm not entirely sure on what grounds, because after all, Aquitaine definitely belonged to Eleanor. And they were getting real close to revolt. Almost as soon as Eleanor landed, she almost got caught in an ambush by these nobles, but just managed to escape. During the fray, one of Henry's close friends, Patrick the Earl of Salisbury, was killed, but Eleanor escaped, she was fine, and quickly managed to regain control of the region. During her time in Aquitaine, Eleanor would carry out all laws and orders under her own seal, not Henry's. By doing this, Eleanor was able to show that she had autonomy and authority. She was the person to listen to when it came to decisions in Aquitaine, not her husband. And this goes back to her father's will and the terms of Eleanor's inheritance. Aquitaine belonged to her and then her sons, not Henry. But there was a catch. Henry wanted their son Richard, who was supposed to inherit Aquitaine, to marry one of Louis's daughters, which meant that in the future, once they had kids, Aquitaine would eventually get swept back into the French state, which no one in Aquitaine really wanted. But Eleanor would deal with that later. Meanwhile, she was more focused on ensuring Aquitaine's identity as a cultural center, bringing troubadours back, all of that fun stuff. While Eleanor was off at Aquitaine, Henry decided to have their oldest son, baby Henry, aka Henry the Younger, crowned as a joint king of England with him. And this is something that really has never happened before or since, probably for good reason. Basically, the reason why Henry was doing this was to safeguard against various rival claims to the throne that were popping up and to rub his power in the face of Thomas Becket, who was threatening to excommunicate Henry. Once again, Becket was being kind of a thorn in the side to Henry. And we kind of see parallels between Henry and Eleanor's relationship, aka it started out great and now it's collapsing, and Beckett and Henry's relationship. Things got so bad that on Christmas Day 1170, after one particularly nasty fight, Henry said to a group of knights, What miserable drones and traitors have I nurtured and promoted in my household who will let their lord be treated with such shameful contempt by a low-born clerk? And the the low-born clerk in this case was referring to Becket. Four of the knights present during this outburst decided that the king wanted them to go kill Becket, and they tracked him down to a church that he was praying in, and killed him. The murder of Beckett led to a huge scandal, which isn't really in the purview of this particular episode, because, you know, Eleanor of Aquitaine, not Thomas Beckett, but it's hard to talk about Eleanor of Aquitaine and Henry II without mentioning Thomas Beckett. So that happened, but Eleanor was off in Aquitaine doing other stuff. However, tensions were still building between husband and wife. By 1172, they had really reached a breaking point, really over their children. The tension between Henry and his four sons 
Henry the Younger, Richard, Geoffrey, and John, was getting higher and higher. As I already mentioned, Henry and Eleanor wanted to split his kingdom up between the sons. Henry, as the oldest, was going to get England. Richard, the next oldest, would get Aquitaine. Geoffrey, the third oldest, was going to get Anjou. And then John, the youngest, wasn't really going to get anything because there wasn't anything left. So his nickname got the name. So his nickname became Lackland. Then we have Richard, who was the favorite of Eleanor's sons. Then we had Geoffrey, who was sort of awkward, but Eleanor still loved him. And then we have John, who also is kind of awkward and sucks, but Eleanor still loves him. Even though Henry arguably got the best piece of the land, he gets an entire kingdom to rule, he was really jealous that his two brothers were also going to get kingdoms of their own, whereas he was going to have to wait until his father died. So he started suggesting that he should actually get his start ruling England right now, and that Henry II should just take a step back, or maybe retire and abdicate. This really pissed Henry II off. After all, Henry II was still in perfectly good health, and he liked ruling. Thank you very much. In the debate between Henry II and Henry the Younger, Eleanor ended up taking Henry the Younger's side because she was real ride or die for her sons, especially because her husband was now deep into his relationship with Rosamund Clifford. Then, Henry II told Henry the Younger to give up some of his lands and castles so that John, the youngest son, could, you know, actually have some property and not be the sad left out boy. Henry the Younger absolutely refused. Henry II was furious by this insubordination and basically put his oldest son under house arrest. However, it wasn't really strict house arrest because it would look bad to lock up your heir, and by March 1173, Henry the Younger had fled England and gone to France. Pretty quickly, he went to Aquitaine and met up with Eleanor and his younger brothers, Richard and Geoffrey. The three brothers, with Eleanor's full backing, started to attack Henry II's lands in protest. Basically, we had a little mini-war. Henry II versus his sons. However, Henry II hadn't seized so much land and become one of the strongest rulers in Europe to allow his sons to take it all from him. He pretty quickly started beating back his sons and beating them back and beating them back. Pretty soon, his three sons had to flee out of Aquitaine and flee to the sanctuary of their mother's ex-husband's court. Eleanor also tried to escape to her ex-husband's court in Paris, but she got captured along the way. This capture was hugely embarrassing for Eleanor, especially because when she was captured, she was indisguised as a man, which, gasp, meant people could see her limbs. How scandalous. In punishment, Henry II got rid of Eleanor's beautiful cultural center in Aquitaine and brought her back to England, where he imprisoned her at a castle in Salisbury. Eleanor would remain in prison until Henry's death in 1180.
1189. By the end of the fall of 1173, Henry II successfully ended his son's revolts. To punish them, much like he punished Eleanor, he took away the majority of their land and yelled at them. Well, he, I don't know if he actually yelled at them, but he took away their land, although he didn't imprison them, and eventually things settled back to an uneasy normal. Soon after this, Henry sent Rosamond Clifford, his main mistress, off to a convent. I'm not really sure why he did this. Maybe she had gotten older and just, like, wasn't hot anymore. Either way, she died about a year later. But Henry wasn't done choosing wildly impractical and inappropriate mistresses. His new mistress was Alice Capet, one of Louis VII's daughters, although Thank goodness, not one of Louis's daughters with Eleanor of Aquitaine, because that would have been extremely fucked up. However, his decision to sleep with Alice Capet was still super fucked up, because Alice was supposed to marry Richard. So, yeah, not great. Eleanor, who is in prison, remember, is still extremely furious with her dearly beloved husband. And the conflict between Henry and his sons continued. It hit another high point in 1182. Henry claimed that Richard had built a castle on his land and said that Richard had to get rid of it. And that Richard should also just give control of Aquitaine over to him. And Richard says, absolutely not. I'm not giving up Aquitaine. And Eleanor from off in prison is like, yeah, no, he's not giving up Aquitaine. Does anyone forget that I'm still alive? Even though Eleanor couldn't do all that much because she was still locked up in prison, she told her sons to stand strong against their father. The next year, Henry the Younger attempted to physically rebel against his father once again. This time, all Eleanor could offer was moral support. She could not provide her son money and arms from prison. Henry the Younger tried to take over Aquitaine and attempted to ambush his father so they wouldn't have to fight in a pitched battle because Henry II tended to win pitched battles. However, this failed. Along the way, Henry the Younger got sick, most likely of dysentery, and died in June 1183. Apparently, in the weeks leading up to Henry the Younger's death, Eleanor had nightmares about his death, but she was powerless to stop it from prison. With Henry the Younger dead, this meant that Richard was technically heir not just to Aquitaine, but also to England. But Henry was pissed with his sons and refused to recognize Richard's claims. Now that Henry the Younger was dead, a debate broke out over who owned the lands that his father had gifted him in France. The king of France said that it belonged to Henry's wife, who just so happened to be his daughter. Henry said that it belonged to Eleanor, which is kind of coming out of left field, but if it belonged to Eleanor, that meant that France couldn't claim it. In a way to strengthen the English claims to those lands, Ele Henry briefly let Eleanor out of prison, but as soon as that little conflict ended, she was right back into prison. While this one conflict was resolved, another conflict was wildly brewing. Remember how I said that Eleanor had a favorite son, and that favorite son was Richard? 
Well, Richard was definitely not Henry's favorite son anymore. Even though Richard by now was the oldest son, which meant technically he should be the heir to everything, Henry kept passing him over for his younger brothers of Geoffrey and John, which made both Eleanor and Richard very anxious that he might be disinherited altogether and might even lose his lands in Aquitaine. However, there was a slight reprieve for Richard and Eleanor when Geoffrey, the middle brother, died in a jousting accident. Yes, I'm sure Eleanor was sad to lose yet another son, but her precious baby Richard was safe. Then, in 1187, things really started heating up outside of the family. The city of Jerusalem fell to the Muslim leader Saladin, which was a huge blow for Christianity in the Middle East, which meant that we get yet another crusade. Richard, even though Richard and Henry, like, hated each other at this point, both of them did love a good fight, and Richard was like, hell yes, fighting time. So, in January 1188, he decided to he decided to go off on a crusade with Philip II of France, who was one of his BFFs and possibly one of his lovers, because history is fun like that. However, before he could go fully on that crusade, Richard wanted to ensure that his spot on the English throne was safe once and for all. So he went on yet another revolt against his father. During the fighting, Henry II developed an anal fistula, or possibly an anal ulcer. It's a little unclear historically which one it was, but both options are completely heinous. Very quickly, Henry was extremely ill and started losing battles, which really shouldn't be a surprise, and ended up dying in France on July 6th, 1189. As soon as she found out Henry was dead, Eleanor left her prison, thank you very much, because she wasn't sticking around in some castle a second longer than was necessary. Besides, her favorite son was now King of France, and she had to ensure that he was going to be the most popular man in the country. She started standardizing various aspects of life in England, such as creating a standard coinage and creating a uniform system of weights, as well as sucking up to the clergy and various nobles. This made Richard extremely popular by the time of his coronation in September 1189. And Richard would need that popularity because, as it turned out, he wasn't exactly the greatest king. Almost immediately after his coronation, Richard left for his crusade after, after raising a ton of money via taxes, which made him extremely unpopular. And during the crusade, while Richard was a fine fighter, the Christians didn't win, and it was super expensive, and then Richard went and got himself captured by Leopold of Austria, who insisted on a ransom of 35 tons of silver, which was even more expensive, and Richard didn't make it home until 1194. Even once he was home in England, Richard was more interested in trying to expand territory in France, so he was usually off fighting, which led to more expense, while Eleanor was mostly stuck in England trying to raise money for her son. In 1199, Richard was once again in France besieging a castle. He wasn't wearing armor because armor is for cowards and got shot in the shoulder by a young man. 
the wound almost got immediately got infected because welcome to the Middle Ages, and Richard ended up dying on April 6, 1199. He was succeeded by John, the youngest of Eleanor and Henry's children. When John came to the throne, he was seen as pretty incompetent by everyone, including his own mother. You can think of him as kind of the Roman Roy of this story. And he didn't do a whole lot to make himself popular. He literally spent most of his coronation telling off-color jokes with his friends. Almost immediately after he became king, there was conflict between John and Geoffrey's son, Arthur of Brittany, over who should be king. After all, Arthur of Brittany was descended from someone higher up in the line of succession. Ultimately, even though Eleanor didn't love John, she supported him in the conflict because the French supported Geoffrey, and if you're English, you have to fight against the French. As a result, for most of John's reign, Eleanor was mostly going to be focused on keeping the peace between her family and France. This would last until 1201, when she almost got captured by some of Geoffrey's troops and fell extremely ill. After her after her illness, she moved to Fontevraud Abbey in Anjou, where she would become a nun. As a nun, she finally got some peace and quiet for the last few years of her life. Eleanor of Aquitaine died on April 1st, 1204, in Fontevraud Abbey in Anjou. She was about 80 at the time of her death, which, damn, that is so old especially for the 1200s, especially if you were a woman who had 10 children, especially if you were a woman who had 10 children who went on a crusade and was married twice and had to spend years in a prison. Eleanor of Aquitaine is buried next to her husband, Henry II, and her favorite son, Richard, in the Abbey. So that is the very exciting second marriage and post-marriage career of Eleanor of Aquitaine. As always, for those fans of the study guide who prefer bullet points to a full-on lecture, let's quickly recap Eleanor's second very dramatic marriage. So, as we established, Eleanor married Henry Plantagenet in May 1152 in a ceremony that definitely was not approved by her ex-husband. When Eleanor married Henry, the two quickly became some of the most powerful landowners in all of Europe. They had control of Aquitaine, Normandy, and Anjou. And pretty soon, Henry also had control of England. In 1154, Stephen, the King of England, died, and Eleanor, Henry, and their newborn baby son, William, moved over to England, and Eleanor and Henry became king and queen. Their first few years in England were going pretty well. Yes, they had to fix up a lot of the country because years of civil war will do that, but Eleanor seemed to enjoy the country. She was able to bring the Trubadour culture that she loved to it, all that good stuff. They would then spend the next few years bouncing between England and France, trying to centralize their power in both countries. Eleanor would continue popping out the babies for all of this. Ultimately, Eleanor had 10 children, five boys and five girls, all but one survived past childhood. And that's just like amazing. 
when you consider what birth practices were like in the Middle Ages. Oh, and she had her last child when she was 40 years old. However, as Eleanor and Henry began to get older, their marriage started to show some cracks. Henry started to replace Eleanor as his main advisor with one Thomas Beckett, and Eleanor also started to see Henry fail in some policy attempts, which she didn't love. And then, in 1166, right after Eleanor had given birth to their final child together, Henry turned right around and started a long-term affair with the daughter of a Welsh knight. Eleanor was not pleased by this turn of events and just so happened to go back to Aquitaine where she would stay for about the next decade. On the one hand, Aquitaine was always a little pesky and a little rebellious, and they always listened to Eleanor more than Henry, but on the other hand, she probably did want to get away from her cheating husband. In Aquitaine, Eleanor really showed that she was in charge. When she carried out laws, it was under her name and seal, not her husband's. By the 1170s, their children were starting to grow up especially the boys. And as the boys got older, they wanted to have more control and more power, which led to a series of tense standoffs between Henry and his four surviving sons. Each son had been given a chance of, each son had been given a chunk of land to inherit, but none were fully content with it. Things came to a head in 1173 when Henry II told one of his younger sons to give up some castles and give them to another son, which caused three of the sons to turn against Henry and basically led to a war between the fathers and sons. Henry II quickly regained the upper hand, beat back his sons, and showed them who was the boss. In the process, Eleanor had taken the side of her beloved sons, and Henry II was not pleased about this. To punish her, he confiscated her lands in Aquitaine and imprisoned her in England, and imprisoned her in a castle in England from about 1173 until his death in 1189. For the next 16 years, Eleanor would be pretty much politically sidelined, although she would continue sending emotional and moral support to her four sons as tensions between them and their father continued brewing. In 1183, her oldest son, Henry the Younger, tried to take on his father again. It was a failure, and Henry the Younger died of dysentery in the process. Then in 1186, her third son, Geoffrey, died in a jousting accident, leaving behind only Richard and John. In 1188, Right before he went off on a crusade, Richard decided to try his hand at fighting his father again. This time, it was a success. In the fighting, Henry II developed an anal fistula slash ulcer and died. Suddenly, Richard was king of England, and Eleanor's husband, who she had once loved, was out of the picture. She left prison and joined her beloved son. Richard was more interested in waging wars, aka crusades, than in actually ruling, which meant that for most of his reign, Eleanor would be doing the heavy lifting, aka raising taxes, to pay for all of those wars. After Richard's death from an infected wound in 1199, 
Eleanor's least favorite child, John, came to the throne, and the start of his reign would involve a lot of family conflict over who actually got the throne. Eleanor wasn't all that present in John's reign. After all, by now she was in her late 70s and was suffering from a variety of illnesses. In 1201, she left England for good, moved to an abbey in Anjou, and became a nun. She died a few years later in 1204 at the age of 80. What a life. So, for this episode, I used the same sources that I used for last week's episode. Really shouldn't come as a surprise. As always, if you want to see a full list of sources and relevant images, you can visit the website sadgirlstudyguides.com. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, you can email the podcast at sadgirlstudyguides at gmail.com. Next week, we will be chatting about yet another woman who had yet another terrible marriage, Joanna I of Naples. As always, if you want to financially support the podcast, you can do so by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash sadgirlstudyguides. Patrons get access to a bunch of cool things like the bi-weekly tangent cast where I talk about a person, place, or thing that didn't quite fit in to the weekly study guide or getting to choose what a study guide subject will be. We also have the social media. There is Twitter at Sad Girl Study Pod and Instagram at Sad Girl Study. And as always, the best way to help the podcast grow is tell a friend or subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. And please let us know how we're doing. Read a review or else I'll be sad. Thanks!